It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for making me a part of your day. Thanks for downloading the podcast. Thank you very much for subscribing. It's free, you know. And uh, thanks to everybody who has become patrons uh, over the last year. We are now approaching the one-year anniversary, and... Uh, the people who got in on the ground floor, patrons helped make this all possible. Patrons like Deborah, Josh, Joseph, Timbo, Richard, Bill, Robin, Andy, John, and Billy. Uh, thanks so much for the support. I could not have done it without you guys. And uh, if you want to become a patron of the program, we do exclusive content like live streams for folks. Uh, also, uh, there's uh, you know uh, audio recordings and such that I post up there and some writing as I gave folks a bit of a background uh, into the the podcast numbers um, over the weekend. So uh, if you want in on that action, go to thepetecalendarshow.com. That's also where you go to subscribe. Uh, it's also on all major podcasting platforms, so you can search for my name there as well. Uh, something you do not have to search for is a great mattress. Just by going to Mattress Man, you're going to get a great mattress. You can take advantage of their triple zero financing which is zero money down, zero interest for uh, 24 months or two years, no interest, and zero payments for 90 days. So buy the mattress now, be sleeping on it, and not pay anything uh, until you get your tax refund back. Like, how awesome is that? The Split King mattress uh, blowout continues, so you can pick up a Split King mattress free adjustable basis with the purchase of select mattresses. I actually got... Uh, a message the other day from Paul, listener, longtime listener of the show in Black Mountain. Paul said, he said, I just want to write you a note about our excellent experience with Mattress Man. Uh, we wanted to turn our small guest bedroom into a multifunction room. So the design required two narrow twin beds and using them like an L shape, and you use that for like seating. But you can then take those twins, put them together uh, to combine them to make a queen size guest bed. But that means, well, two twins is a king. Well, uh, so they wanted a little bit more narrow than than that. Uh, so this is not readily available. But Wes at Mattress Man came through with their Nature Spa line from Paramount. Twin mattresses were cut to order and delivered after a reasonable time. The delivery crew happily reworked their schedule around hours, and we were very uh, they were very helpful and courteous during setup and removal. He says you are very fortunate to have them as sponsors. I love Mattress Man. I love the owner. I love the people that work there. You will, too. Go check them out online, mattressmanstores.com, or in person, four locations, Asheville, Arden, Hendersonville. They ship nationwide local five-star delivery service, uh, and they have a 120-day comfort guarantee. Experience the difference at Mattress Man, buy local, and sleep better. So uh, last week, I guess this would have been Thursday or, yeah, Thursday or Friday. I forget all the days are kind of running together recently. Um, the North Carolina Board of Education approved the standards for social studies and history, uh, K through 12. Uh, this was a, a seven to five vote. And um, the the one, uh, so there was one. Uh, he's not a Republican anymore. It's Eric Davis. He was he's the chairman, and uh, he used to be a Republican like twenty years ago, I think. <laughs> uh, I mean, I remember him when he was uh, put into the the school board down in Charlotte Mecklenburg as the chairman down there at a time of great uh, animosity and fighting over school assignment plans and the like. And he was always kind of perceived to be the chamber friendly guy, but. Um, I, I don't know much about him anymore. I just remember that from like 15, 20 years ago. At any rate, point is he voted with the Democratic appointees on the uh, school board of education, the state school board uh, to adopt these standards. One of the most frustrating things for me, as I've covered this over the last week, uh, has been what has what has got to be at this point willful misreporting and a, a, a and and purposeful mischaracterization and misrepresentation of the argument being made against the standards. It, and you'll see what I mean. It, it manifested itself in that stupid political cartoon. Um, and I've got a, a, an op-ed here from, of course, a former News and Observer editorial board member. Um, 
uh, defending the political cartoon that called the Republicans on the Board of Education KKK members. Because, you know, that's just hyperbole. It's just satire, people, in an era that we are in where jokes are no longer permitted that might trigger people, right? Speech is violence, all of this stuff. But you can still call some people Klansmen and... Uh, and demand that it be interpreted and received as simply a joke, you see. It's just comedy, because it's so funny to call people KKK members, especially Republicans. I mean, this is like, I mean, you're you're definitely tilling new soil here, people. <laughs> it's unreal. So North Carolina now has a new set of social studies standards that supporters say are more inclusive of different groups, but that critics claim are anti-American. I would point out here that uh, not one board member that I heard talk about this during the two days of debate, none of them called it anti-American. As far now, I could be wrong. It was you know two days of debate, literally two days. They held their board meetings for two days. OK, so I listened to it and I don't recall anybody calling it anti-American because it is, after all, American history. But Okay, so this is the way the uh, the News and Observer is framing it. See, supporters say it's inclusive. Who could be against that? Right? And then on the other side, oh, those mean old people, they, they just claim it's anti-American. Well, I don't know about you, but America is about inclusiveness. You see, you see the framing that is occurring here. No one called it anti-American, but that's the way it's framed. And this is the way it's been going in this entire debate, just getting people to argue the factual merits of people's position has proven to be an impossibility. And I suspect it's because we are now in the realm of religion. It is this is no longer about reason. This is about religion. The State Board of Education's Democratic majority voted 7 to 5 on Thursday to adopt new K-12 social studies standards that include language such as having teachers discuss racism, discrimination, and the perspectives of marginalized groups. See, again, this is, this is what the proponents want. Why would you be against that? You don't want to tell people about racism? Why would you want to whitewash this? Why would you want to cover this up? Which, of course, the opponents are not saying that we should do. They're, they're literally not making that argument. But this is the argument that the anti-racists want them to make, and so that's the argument they're going to argue against. Even though nobody's making it, that's the argument they're going to argue against. Uh, they, uh, the News and Observer says the new standards were opposed by the board's Republican members who said that they are anti-American, there it is again, anti-capitalist and anti-democratic. Again, I listened to the entire board meeting, all of the speeches, all the comments. I never heard these comments from any of the school board members I could be wrong. I don't think I am. I've pulled the audio. I've listened to it all at least twice, but I don't recall anybody calling them these things. What they have constantly sought was a balance, and you're going to hear it again. Examples of new language. This is from the uh, News and Observer. Examples of new language presented last month include eighth grade classes would explain how the experiences and achievements of women, minorities, indigenous and marginalized groups have contributed to the development of the state and nation over time. Well, who could oppose that? Actually, nobody. Nobody did. Nobody's saying we shouldn't talk about the achievements of women. <laughs> nobody says that. They're, they're, in fact, all of the members on the board are explicitly saying we should do that. The question is of balance, and you're going to hear this, okay, because I've got the audio. In fact, let me go to it. Let's see. First up, we have a preamble, and I actually like this preamble that the superintendent for public instruction, Catherine Truitt, she wrote this up, she read it into the record, and then uh, said this was going to be put into the, uh, into the standards as a preamble. So this is now part of the document, and I thought, I thought it was well written. The preamble starts with a quote from Plutarch's Lives. So very difficult a matter it is to trace and find out the truth of anything by history. The word history has its roots in the ancient Greek verb historia, which meant the act of seeking knowledge. A more modern way to describe the discipline of history is the study of imperfect choices across the ages that requires knowledge of facts, dates, places, events, 
and ideas. It also requires students to engage in questioning, research, and discussion so that as young adults, they can examine a historical record for themselves and support their views. Students in North Carolina public schools study history throughout the entirety of their public school experience. While the public at large may not agree as to why it's important that students learn geography, civics, and history, the North Carolina State Board of Education believes that our collective social studies yeah. standards like must reflect Thank the nation's diversity and that the successes, contributions, and struggles of multiple groups and individuals should be included. This means teaching the hard truths of Native American oppression, anti-Catholicism, exploitation of child labor, and Jim Crow, to name a few, while simultaneously teaching that the U.S. Constitution created the world's first organized democracy since ancient Rome, and that 90 years into our country's history, President Lincoln ended the United States' participation in what had been more than 9,000 years of legalized slavery and human bondage in nearly every corner of the world. However, it is important to remember that history itself doesn't provide the sole explanation for why we have injustices, racism, and discrimination today, be they institutionalized or localized. Our human failings have at times taken the form of racism, xenophobia, nativism, extremism, and isolationism. We need to study history in order to understand how these situations developed, the harmful impact they caused, and the forces and actors that sometimes helped us move beyond those outcomes. In the words of former Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice, the Constitution is the very document that the likes of Thurgood Marshall used to bring systemic change to our country. Which, by the way, that is the point that Mark Robinson makes when he when he talks about systemic racism not being real. He says that the same system that you claim is inherently racist also allowed for these bad and evil things to be undone. So does that make the system itself racist? Because if you're using the definition that, well, it's systemically racist because when it was created, it allowed for racists to do stuff. Okay, well then, what then of the same system that allows non-racists to undo those racisty things? Right? If, if the system is defined by the people that are able to utilize it for an outcome, then wouldn't the outcome abolishing slavery make it no longer racist? Or are you saying it's just inherently racist and forever will be? Which is actually what they're arguing. That is the argument, by the way. The argument that is never held is that America is inherently racist and is irredeemably so. This is the point of critical race theory, which I've, I'm have i saying this to I'm blue in the face, but this is the heart of the argument that nobody on the Board of Education was actually making. In practice, these standards represent the framework around which teachers will devise their students' day-to-day -day classroom experiences with social studies and history. They are not a curriculum and do not limit individual teachers or district decisions about what historical events to explore. So what she's saying there also is, don't worry, just because we took out the word systemic from the term systemic racism and now it's just racism, don't worry, you teachers that want to... Uh, you know, teach critical race theory, you're still going to have a hand to do so. And principles and stuff like, and uh, this is actually occurring in Durham, the Durham Public School District. They're, uh, they've brought in Black Lives Matter to teach and to offer programs and such. So uh, they they're, they want to make sure they're sending the message. She's send, sending the message that you're still going to be able to do that. So don't worry, just because we took out the term systemic from systemic racism uh, doesn't mean you're going to be limited. You'll still be able to teach it. The Department of Public Instruction will prepare and share a wealth of support resources for teachers to reference as they plan the best ways to engage students with the standards. The supporting resources will include potential primary and secondary sources, topics, people, events, and timelines to be considered. In his 1954 sermon, the Death of Evil Upon the Seashore, delivered at the service of prayer and thanksgiving in New York City. Martin Luther King Jr. declared that, quote, the whole of history of life is the history of a struggle between good and evil. 
unquote, and that, quote, in the midst of the upward climb of goodness, there is the downpull of evil, unquote. It is in this spirit that we offer these standards. Let us study the past such that all students can celebrate our achievements towards a more perfect union while acknowledging that the sins of the past still linger in the everyday lives of many. Let us study the past so we can understand where it might lead us today. Fair enough. All of that is fair enough. I like it. I liked her comment, uh, the quote, uh, rather, that she cited that the, the study of history is the study of imperfect choices across the ages. And, and that is true. And I'm not... I don't know anybody that is dictating to the teachers, this is what you have to teach, at least not as part of the standards, right? They're, they're, they're saying this is the, these are the headings, these are the general rules you're going to follow, but you're going to have options underneath all of this. Of course, like this is the, you're inducing the outcome. Yeah, you're going to have lots of uh, options. It's like the Model T Ford. You can have any color you want as long as it's black, right? That's the, because <laughs> they only had one paint color, right? So, because it was mass production. So any color you want, as long as it's the one we're offering. And so there is some directed um, uh, outcomes here, but that's a curriculum argument. And every classroom is going to be different. Teachers are going to be different. Uh, principals are going to be different. They do have some latitude inside of these standards. And this is why the standards are important, is because they set the tone for the curriculum to adhere, you know, inside of the standards. And this is how people who want to direct the um, uh, the curriculum, this is how they implement that without having to go in and actually dictate curriculum. They can just say, here are the standards, here's what you use, we're going to give you some unpacking documents, I think they call it, and all these resources that you can use. I do think this was interesting. In the News and Observer article that ran two pages long, there were 26 paragraphs, and you got to go to paragraph 16 before you get this sentence. Quote, Republican board members say they don't want to hide the negative parts of the nation's history, but they say the new standards present an overly negative picture of the nation's history and institutions. See, so the reporter does know the argument. The reporter here does know the argument that the Republicans were making. Well, then why the hell is it buried in paragraph 26? Why is every reference in the first two paragraphs talking about how Republicans call it anti-American? They're calling it anti-capitalist. They're calling it anti-this, anti-that. And these other people, well, they obviously are on the side of good. And unlike those Republicans, they want to lie to you. It's so dishonest. Um... Opposition to the standards led to an editorial cartoon by WRAL. We mentioned this last week, depicting the GOP state board members as KKK members. But the board's advisors and the members appointed by the Democratic Governor Roy Cooper say the standards will be more relatable to students of color who now represent the majority of the state's public school enrollment. So this begs the question of why would these be more relatable? Why? And I understand, like, you're going to tell stories of people that look like them that are of the same race or of the same gender, whatever. And I understand that component of it. And again, got to point out, Republicans are not saying ignore that history, right? They say teach it. So we're all in agreement that that part is going to be included. Okay, so what then of this? Uh, uh, it'll be more relatable by calling the Republicans Klansmen uh, for opposing what we want to do. It'll make these, the kids, you know, uh, more understanding and the history more relatable to these kids. Why would, an, why would an unbalanced focus on the negative and the ignoring of the positive, what makes that more relatable to kids, to children of color, right? Why would that be more relatable? Nobody asked that question. Nobody offers the question. They just keep framing it like, well, it's, you know, he's a black kid, so I'm going to teach him about black kids in history and black people in history, and it's more relatable that way. Again, fine. Nobody is saying don't teach that. What we are curious about is why are you ignoring all of these other things that are positive in American history? Why would you just go right to the negative all the time and constantly pit one group of people against each other in these these comparison scenarios. Why are you doing it that way? And Todd Chastine, one of the board members, he actually does a very good job of outlining some pretty clear examples that we're going to get to. Here's an example, though, of why you need to go to Old Grouch's military surplus. Cold weather. 
it's cold. It's been pretty cold here recently. It was ridiculously cold here over the weekend. Um, and if you work outside or you spend a lot of time outside, you go hiking or camping, you need cold weather gear. And Old Grouches has got you covered, haha, <laughs> literally, uh, with the cold weather gear. Head on over there. You can pick up thermal underwear. You, they've got field jackets. They've got wool and fleece toboggans and socks and Gore-Tex. Uh, this is heavy-duty warm clothing, and you're going to get it at better prices than you find it at the outdoor stores. So go to Old Grouches Military Surplus. Also, he's got a new shipment of MREs, and these are special type. Uh, these have 14 meals in the case instead of the typical 12. Uh, which doesn't make any sense. Like, why would you put 12 in the case? Because then it's like you went get to the end of the week and now you're out of food, right? So why not make it 14 so you get two meals a day? Hello, right? Uh, so go to Old Grouch's Military Surplus. He can hook you up with that as well as backpacks, ammo, cans, uh, and of course the first aid and medical kits as well. Uh, so uh, you can go to his website, oldgrouch.com, or go to the shop downtown Clyde on Main Street. Shop is open Monday through Saturday across the street from the anti-aircraft gun, literally. And ask him <laughs> ask him the story about it. It's a cool story. So Matthew Bristow-Smith, uh, he is an advisor on the Board of Education, and he is the 2019 Wells Fargo, North Carolina Principal of the Year, and he supports these standards. We do believe in telling the whole truth of our country's history and validating the identities of each and every child in our history that we teach. And that includes our LGBTQ students, our indigenous students, our black students and other students of color. I thought this was an interesting way to frame it, that we're teaching this history and we think that this validates these kids' identities. It validates them. And I'm just kind of curious, like, what does that even mean? I never, I don't know, and maybe this is my white privilege speaking, but I, I don't know. Like, I, I never looked at somebody in history and said, oh, they're white. That validates me. I, I don't I don't understand that. But I don't view everything through a racial prism. That's, I guess that's my cross to bear. Their histories matter and they should be taught. That's why these standards are so important. Second, Again, no one is saying don't teach these stories. Secondly, as a practicing educator and principal, in fact, I'm speaking to you from a school building right now. I have every confidence in my own LEA and in other LEAs to develop curricula and implementation plans that build upon these standards as well as the agency's toolkit. Oh, I can imagine how <laughs> how some schools are going to build upon these uh, standards. Yeah, I, I have little doubt about that. I have every confidence in our teachers to deliver unbiased instruction. I don't. I don't. Te I don't. I have seen way too many stories over the years doing what I do of teachers behaving very, very badly and injecting bias. And oh, by the way, I'm also aware of teachers doing that very thing in my own life, in my own life. When I was a student, teachers did this to us. Don't tell me that teachers are all unbiased. Well, you got a social studies teacher that drew the freaking cartoon about the Republicans and the KKK. Oh, but, oh, the Pete, come on now. That, just because that teacher drew that political cartoon for WRAL, that doesn't mean he would ever say something like that in his classroom. Yeah, I'm sure that would never happen. Appropriate and that's grounded in facts and truth, but also that empowers students to think. And I have every confidence in our children. I mean, what makes us underestimate that our children can't handle or don't deserve a full rendering of history? Again, nobody making that argument. Nobody's making this argument. Again, these people are just arguing against something that nobody is arguing against. They just keep saying it in different ways. We're teaching them computer science in second, third grade. Of course they can handle history. I'm not so sure. I've seen most of like a lot of history teachers are terrible at it. <laughs> Just really good, like, as because it's just they make it boring. This is the date you need to memorize. These are all the presidents you need to memorize. <laughs> so, yeah, history can be really fun if it's taught well. So, 
Uh, Donna Tipton Rogers, she is uh, one of the Board of Education members. She's a Democrat, and she represents the Western Education Region. And I thought she... Uh, she outlined this pretty well. She said, you know, why do we teach history? Why do we study history? And I thought this was this was a pretty good rundown. With the undergraduate degree and graduate degree, both in history, I can say uh, from my point of view that I have spent some time over the last few weeks in self-reflection, an effort to remind myself why we study history and the importance of sharing these academic reasons with our students. Okay. And with that, I came up with uh, the following uh, reasons. Number one, we, we need to ensure that great deeds are not forgotten. True. I agree. We need to understand the present and prepare for the future. Agree. Yep. We need to provide a moral lesson, a model of good behavior, and a warning about evil. Well, now, wait a minute. You need to provide a moral lesson, a model of good behavior, and a warning of evil? This stuff now is starting to sound mm, kind of religion-y, don't you think? Just a tad. Because if you're going to get up in front of a classroom and tell those students who are very impressionable, right? You're, you're the teacher. Um, you're going to get up and tell those kids what is morally good and morally bad. This is good and this is evil. Do you see how the standards can be used to promote a particular agenda? Meanwhile, these people are saying, no, 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 there, there's no agenda. Again, these are the people that call you a Klansman if you object to them. And we're going to let them dictate what is, what is the moral standard of good and evil when they think anybody who opposes them is literally the Klan. <laughs> Okay, what could go wrong? We need to understand history as one's nation to increase patriotism and a sense of identity. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. Hang on a second. That sounds like clan talk right there. That sounds like clan talk. You're saying that we need to teach history so we have a universal understanding and identity of uh, and patriotism of what this country is supposed to be about? That. Yeah, that's I th I'm pretty sure now that's Klan talk because this is what people on the Republican side were saying. She's literally agreeing with them. So either she doesn't know their argument or she's trying to co-opt it and include it with hers. Or maybe it's a unifying thing. Maybe she's trying to say, oh, no, no, I hear you. I agree with you. Yes, this is one of those things. But she's the only one on the uh, the left to argue with this kind of language. So she does recognize that there is value. The state has a compelling interest in ensuring that the citizenry is educated in a unified fashion, right? To make sure that people have a, a, a universal understanding about what the concept of the government is supposed to be about. Because if we all lose that, then it just becomes what the rulers want it to be about. And that's not what this was supposed to be about, right? That's what our experiment here was not about. We do not need kings. We do not need tyrants telling us how to live, what to do all the time. That's what we have, you know, governors with lockdown orders for. So this is the so this is the rundown of why studying history is important. And by the way, I agree with all of these, except for the one about the, you know, teaching everybody about what is evil and what is moral and all that. Like, mm, yeah, you know, uh, I don't think I'm going to rely on leftists to tell me what is moral behavior throughout history. These are people who think that socialism has never been tried and real communism has never been tried. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not on board with that. And I don't want you teaching kids uh, unless you're going to unless you're going to talk about the body count for communism, which, by the way, this does come up later on. Uh, Todd Chastine mentions this. All right. I'm running late here. I need to uh, need to get back to the audio. We need to encourage civic participation and citizenship. Yeah, I agree. We need to study history in order to lessen prejudices. Mm. We need to appreciate the arts and literature, but we also need to foster personal growth. All right. So. We need to study it to lessen prejudices. Is that the role of history? See, when you start saying things like this, you start giving the impression that there is an agenda. So all this time you guys are saying, oh, no, no, there's no agenda for what we're teaching here. Why we want these standards. But here she's explaining, no, actually, this is part of the reason why we're doing it. 
We want to lessen prejudices. And the way we do that is critical race theory by telling all white people they have white privilege, they're inherently racist, irredeemably so, and you can never break out of the racist box. What could go wrong? (laughs) What could go wrong? Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson then takes aim at the hypocrisy of education officials. Uh, I will get to that in a minute. First, I want you to get over to growershemp.com. If you go to the website, by the way, uh, you can pick up the balm. This is great for hips, uh, hurts and backs, hands, feet, all of it. And um, if you use the promo code LOVE, get a Valentine's Day buy one, get one discount. The promo code is love. So after you try the bomb, you and your friends can enter the discount code love. You get one when you buy one. Buy one, get one free. This is through the end of the month, okay? So go to growershemp.com, promo code love. Buy one, get one free on the bomb. And it is kind of the bomb. Get it? Okay, I'll stop. Uh, people take CBD f- uh, for all sorts of reasons. I do not use the balm. I well, I have in the past, but um, I, I take the drops before I go to bed. That's my preferred uh, method, and uh, I sleep more deeply with it. So, if you are interested, go to GrowersHemp.com. Take advantage of the uh, the promo code for Valentine's Day. Love. Buy one, get one of the balm. And as with all CBD products, here's the official disclaimer. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The efficacy of these products has not been confirmed by FDA-approved research, and these products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. <gasps> Nothing I have said is meant as a substitute for or alternative to information from your healthcare provider, so consult your healthcare professional about potential interactions or other possible complications before using any product. Go to growershemp.com. <laughs> Growershemp. North Carolina farmers... Uh, family farmers that started the company, they control the whole process from seed to shelf. You get better quality, lower prices at growershemp.com. It's about the hemp and not the hype. Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson, he took aim at the hypocrisy of education officials who he said uh, had blocked him from speaking to a classroom that he had been invited to, meanwhile claiming to value inclusion. I am so sick of hearing that word because conservative voices have been pushed education at every turn we invite people to wear masks and t-shirts and hats and say black lives matter but we kick kids out of class and wear blue line t-shirts and make america great again t-shirts and even american flag t-shirts so let's not talk about inclusion until we are ready to include everybody's voice All right. So he says that there is something wrong when schools will welcome Black Lives Matter, but not him. The first black lieutenant governor, North Carolina, who actually says got more votes than President Trump in the last election. Next up was James Ford. He represents the Southwest Education Region. He's a a former social studies teacher and teacher of the year himself. Most specifically to the uh, proposed North Carolina um, social studies standards, I first want to pay homage to the educators uh, from near and far who have dedicated their time to working on these standards. And I want to let you know that um, I see you and appreciate your work. And I do think that the debate over these standards presents a very interesting paradox. Um, it's the paradox of inclusion and division. Okay, so that's actually not. It's not. No one is arguing against inclusion. No one is arguing that point. You guys keep saying it. Because you want that to be the argument, but it's not. Um, The Thursday, first Thursday of every month, we meet and many of us uh, recite the uh, Pledge of Allegiance, the last line of which says, uh, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Which I do find interesting because these are the same folks who want to remove the Pledge of Allegiance (laughs) and they want to get rid of one nation under God. They want to get rid of that as well. Do they not? See, they they tend to adopt whatever argument they need at whatever given time. But now he wants to focus on the, you know, uh, one nation under God, indivisible part. See, so we're indivisible. Yeah. And I I mentioned that because I I find myself asking the question, how can being more inclusive of and doing justice to other people's perspectives be seen as simultaneously divisive? Because it's not. It's because it's not. That's not the argument. See, again, that's why you're not understanding it or you're pretending not to understand it is because you're adopting a fake argument, a dishonest argument. You've adopted a lie. You're promulgating this lie in, in service to winning your political argument. 
But the lie is that the other side is against inclusion. They're not. It's an interesting new mathematical equation that assumes division by addition. See, now this is all just sophistry because he's arguing something that no one else is arguing. Uh, if we fail to permit other outlooks, other experiences, visions of the world and our society to be told, it, it, it questions whether we really believe in the freedom and the liberty that makes the United States of America so unique. Again, nobody is arguing against the teaching of these things. Can we hold up a mirror to ourselves knowing that what we see is completely dependent on where we stand or in some cases where we are forced to sit? See that? So everything's relative. So at the... This is the mask slips right here, because what he is arguing is that truth is relative to where you stand or where you sit. Right. So why would you object to this thing? Well, uh, Dr. Ford, if everything is relative, then sounds to me like you want a different history to be told. Right. Your truth versus the truth. Right. On the, so on the one hand, they're claiming this mantle of veracity of the truth, like we're the ones who want to tell the truth about everything while relying on a lie to make that argument. Right. But they're but they're also they're also adopting a moral relativist perspective here to tell you that, well, you know what, it's a different perspective that I have about what the truth was. And so I'm going to teach that I have gotten numerous emails Um on uh, many different sides of this issue. And if I could kind of categorize them, they fall into two general buckets. The first being that students should be taught to love the country, to know that the United States of America is the greatest nation on earth and that they are lucky, blessed, fortunate to live here. That's number one. So is that a fair thing to teach kids? He doesn't say, he never says. But is that is that something that, K through 12 education should be reinforcing because it seemed like what the comments uh, from earlier, Donna Tipton Rogers, where she said, you know, to increase patriotism and a sense of identity uh, as an American. Like, so is that part of the K-12 education purpose? Is, is that one of the purposes of the standards here? Because I don't hear anybody saying that among the Democratic appointees, except for Donna Tipton Rogers. Number two is the sentiment that just teach the facts, the truth without any bias or political slant. Don't indoctrinate them or tell them what to think. Allow them to think critically. I, I want to confess that I understand the sentiments of many of these emails, as well as those of my colleagues and their appreciate and their apprehension rather to adopt these standards. I can empathize because as a social studies teacher, I know that every culture, society, nation, or civilization has its sacred stories that it tells itself about itself. They help to create cohesion, collective identity, and a sense of fictive kinship. These folkloric traditions are often important and they serve a purpose in the lives of many. I think about the story of the twins Romulus and Remus being raised by a she-wolf as the origin story of Rome. Mm -hmm. And as we open up the potential to explore diverse perspectives, experiences, and outlook that do not conform to the dominant traditions, there is a legitimate and palpable fear that we will lose the country as we know it. The despair is based on the idea that if we permit the teaching of history that contradicts these sacred stories, it will diminish the love of the country and instantly replace it with hatred. If we teach the truth as experienced by non-dominant groups, we'll lose the sense of Americana that animates our patriotism. I get that. I do. But I want to tell you that the notion that if you don't blindly gush with unquestioning adoration for your nation, then you are un-American, undemocratic, or teaching hate, that these are extremist positions and only sees the poles on each end of that debate without respect to the complexity or the nuance. The flawless, exceptionalist characterization of our country is well represented in our education and has been historically. However, telling of other people's stories requires us to think critically about that. For some, for somebody who constantly beats this drum uh, uh, for understanding nuanced perspectives, this guy seems to be completely incapable of understanding what the other argument is. I thought he was getting pretty close there because he does recognize the value of having a unified understanding of America, right? He does understand that. He said it. He recognized the importance of it. But what he's interested in that he doesn't quite explain 
But it's this, because I understand these arguments on critical race theory and systemic racism. It is that America is inherently racist. We're going to give you these other perspectives to prove that. And therefore, it undermines the entire concept upon which we were founded. And that then frees you from any loyalty to defend it. That's the point here. This isn't rocket science. It's history. And it repeats itself. So yeah, you can you can figure this out pretty easily. Just read some of the people that are pushing critical race theory. I'll have the rest of his comments in a minute. First, Rowena Patton and her all-star powerhouse team. Okay, this is who you need to buy or sell a home. Rowena Patton, 333-4483. She has homes in all price points and she has buyers already lined up. Uh, Christy and I called her, the only call we made to buy our house. Rowena Patton, 333-4483. She's the official homes uh, for Hero Realtor in Asheville, the only one in Asheville. And this is a national program that gives buyers and sellers 25% back from the Realtor Commissions. Uh, this goes to police officers, firefighters, healthcare professionals, and educators, as well as members of the military, veterans, active duty, and retirees. So give her a call, 333-4483. Put it to work for you buying or selling mountainhomehunt.com and then start packing. All right, so James Ford, school board member, concludes his comments by saying that he sent his colleagues a video of the recorded speech by Martin Luther King Jr. um, called The Other America. In it, he goes on to talk about the dominant narrative of the United States, and he talks about this other America that's not often talked about. Um, it, it folds into the presentation we got during our planning and work session in 2019 by Jim Johnson, where he talked about the disruptive demographic shifts that are happening in our country. In short, there's a new America emerging mm. that is browner, that is in many ways younger, more diverse. Okay. And the question before us is, will we adopt standards that are representative and inclusive of this new America, where the other America Dr. King spoke of, is now part of the dominant discourse. So wait a minute, why would people being, or why would America being browner and younger mean that we no longer need to know the founding principles of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness and limited government? Why, why would that matter? Why would it matter these, these principles as applied, right? Why would that matter based on the color of somebody's skin? It's an interesting perspective from an anti-racist person, right? I am by with the words of the black gay, and I think both of those are important, poet Langston Hughes when he says, let America be America again. He says, let America be America again. Let it be the dream it used to be. Let it be the pioneer on the plane seeking a home where he himself was free. America was never America to me. Let America be the dream, the dreamer's dream. Let it be the great strong land of love where never kings can connive nor tyrants scheme that any man can be crushed from one above. Um, It was never America to me. Is Langston Hughes un-American? Is he undemocratic? Is he a radical liberal? Or is he an American with a different story that deserves to be represented in the standards we teach to our children? Again, nobody is saying don't teach that stuff. Todd Chastine, who represents the Northwest Education Region, Republican, said everybody is trying to act in the best interest of students here, and the disagreement is about how to best do so. It is not some cold political calculation that Republicans are making here, he says. No one wants to hide or cover up the moral failures and wrongdoings in our nation's history. The horror of human bondage, Jim Crow bigotry, Emmett Till, Rosa Parks, the historic inspirational spellbinding letter from Birmingham jail, which I try to read every year, the Underground Railroad, April 4, 1968, and much more will be covered, is covered, and should be covered. Honest coverage and robust discussion uh, facts also while considering the noteworthy and somewhat remarkable progress, advancements, accomplishments, opportunities of our nation presents reality. Let students know that in 2021, most people across the state nation want them to flourish that's why i love the messaging and discernment of uh, the woodson center robert woodson winner of the 2018 wilberforce award spent his career transferring lives schools neighborhoods from inside out in urban communities he assembled a community of mostly black thought leaders educators and journalists to develop an educational program that covers both the horrific evils and failings along with historic progress and healthy potential for opportunity compared to almost any nation 
It's called 1776 Unites. So students should have hope and optimism, and the vast majority of fellow citizens will want to give students a fair shake. Compared to almost any other nation, there is a pathway forward uh, of a meaningful, productive life. There are specific points uh, that I'll briefly touch on about the uh, standards, because uh, we've had a couple of board members and board advisors, advisors that have zealously advocated to include explicit, specific terms and concepts about destructive behaviors, or our teachers might not cover them. There was a November 18th article in the John Locke Foundation that talked uh, about uh, instruction to the DPI team to give specific terms, or a certain stereotype teacher may leave them out. And the drafters duly followed instructions in fact, in about 50 different standards, specificity of such terms like xenophobia, ethnocentrism, stereotypes, reconcentration, oppression, dis disenfranchisement, voter suppression, historically privileged, historically marginalized bias, systemic racism, systemic dis discrimination, institutional discrimination, marginalized people, uh, and resistance, and many more were highlighted along with multiple lists of high, uh, identity groups. And I'm not saying all those terms shouldn't be in our standards. Uh, I'm just noting there was a heavily repeated theme and there's a lot of specificity. Uh, we, we saw that in, in a lot of the ones I just talked about, whether in, especially in world history, American history, civics literacy, seventh, eighth grade standards, all have very explicit list on destructive behaviors, very specific which occur in dozens and dozens of standards. What's not specifically covered explicitly raises my curiosity and some problems. Uh, where we have a litany of identity groups facing disenfranchisement, voter suppression, or, or systemic discrimination, or other destructive forms of behavior, we didn't have a lot of specificity, and I couldn't even find it on destructive forms of government, such as communism, national socialism, Marxism, socialism, fascism, or totalitarianism that resulted in over 100 million deaths in the 20th century. Thank Lenin, Stalin, Mao, Pol Pot, Hitler, Ceausescu. We, we, th these kind of things need explicit coverage also, I would think, along with the uh, destructive behaviors already listed. Uh, other concepts, which were I, I, I had trouble finding, uh, which are very important to us moving towards a more perfect union, although we're never gonna achieve perfection. Uh, for example, I only found one standard, standard that specifically mentioned the Bill of Rights uh, and did not specifically mention things like freedom of speech, freedom of expression, rights of conscience, religious free exercise, freedom of association, equal protection under law. So that's an observation. When Lieutenant Governor Robinson talked about tone, code language, or ideology, and I spoke of the great weight, uh, emphasis, and repetition of our nation's obvious failures, uh, consider one example in foreign policy. It talks about the extent to which American foreign policy has advanced the interest of historically privileged groups over the interest of historically marginalized groups. Well, that, that obviously is a question drawing out failures. Do we? include a standard about foreign policy that informs of all the generosity and sacrifice? Why not, for foundational educational purposes, start with a litany of noble foreign policy achievements before covering our discriminatory or questionable misuses of foreign policy? Uh, wording such as discuss the use of foreign policy to assist nations around the globe to achieve economic stability, security, equality, freedom, and assist marginalized peoples. Students should know that we redistribute billions of dollars to 190 countries in foreign assistance, such as humanitarian aid, military support, security, healthcare, advancing freedom every year. Shouldn't we at least start with incredible generosity and realistic understanding before we acknowledge shortcomings and misuse of foreign policy? Covering foreign policy blunders is fine, not trying to hide them. We have it under every president. But do the standards specifically draw out anything about foreign policy to balance the example of our nation placing the privileged over the marginalized? Why is that? Certain narratives appear to be given more weight and emphasis than others. Right. So, again, he's pretty clear here, right? 
We're not trying to hide the warts and all. We're not trying to hide any of this stuff, the bad stuff in our history. He's asking, do the standards do anything to draw out, in this case, foreign policy example, to draw out some kind of balance? It can't just be that, oh, America is this, you know, aggressor all over the planet and we do all these bad things to marginalized people. Is there any kind of balance to that? Or is it not? Is it just constant ripping down of America. And if that's the case, what's the impact of that? That that is also never discussed in any of this. Like, what are the long-term impacts here of telling people that their country is inherently corrupted and and, and has this original sin that it can never be redeemed? Uh, So what then? Do you owe it allegiance? No, of course not. I've mentioned this before, like this is the point of breaking this bond with the country. If you call it irredeemably racist, inherently racist, well, you then can't be complicit in that systemic, institutionalized, structural racism, right? It allows you to now step aside and say, I am not loyal to this entity any longer because it is evil. See, if the system itself is evil, I owe it nothing. And as such, I can tear it down without any kind of guilty conscience, right? Because it's bad. And what did the board member Donna Tipton Rogers say about, you know, providing moral lessons and models of good behavior and warnings against evil? Well, now that kind of looks different, right? If you're going to say America as it was founded was immoral and evil, then why would we want it to exist anymore? What's the practical impact of this? Speaking of impacts, you want to make a real impact on the job you are doing and uh, you don't have the right tool, then go to General Equipment Rental and you get the right tool and you finish the job and it makes a huge difference. It really does. I have done house uh, projects. I have done uh, car repairs without the right tool and it is way harder, way harder. So go get the right tool. But you don't want to go buy a tool. You're going to use it once. Why would you want to shell out, you know, hundreds or thousands of dollars for a heavy piece of machinery or something that you're only going to use once? So go to General Equipment Rental in Weaverville. They're at the intersection of Merriman Avenue and Reams Creek Road and get yourself the tool you need to get the job done right. And then you bring it back to them. Go to General Equipment Rental, whether you're looking for like big stuff uh, like uh, oh, they've got earth moving equipment there, you know, huge pieces of equipment. And they're going to tell you, by the way, how to use it, because that's like it's one of the obstacles. A lot of people have homeowners, especially they'll be like, I don't really feel comfortable getting in a backhoe or something. So uh, they'll they'll show you how to use it and then you use it and you bring it back because they don't want you messing up their equipment either. Okay, they're also your official Husqvarna and Honda outdoor power equipment sales and service provider. So Spring is coming. If you're thinking about getting some new power equipment for the yard work around the place, then go to General Equipment Rental. Support the people that support this show. General Equipment Rental, the website, generalrents.com. That's generalrents.com. And think outside your toolbox. So here was a uh, an op-ed from Isaac Bailey, who is a former member of the Charlotte Observer editorial board, because of course he is. And uh, he says, Mark Robinson, the lieutenant governor, decided to begin his stint as the first first black man to be elected lieutenant governor of North Carolina by whining about a cartoon that hit hard. So is this Isaac Bailey guy? Is he whining about Robinson's reaction? Is, is that what's going on? Um, but he says he doesn't get to use his blackness as a shield or, or as a Trojan horse to push educational policies that will drive race relations backwards. He will not be able to use his blackface to whitewash this state's or country's racial history. This is what the media is doing. And Democrats, they are, well, I mean, they're allies. Like, this is what they're doing. Presenting this as the argument that the Republicans are making when it is not. They are liars. That's a wrap for this episode. I appreciate you listening. Thanks so much. Remember, subscribe at thepetecalendarshow.com. Don't break anything while I'm gone.